0: Thank you for listening to the sixth ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great,
1: because today
0: we're going to be really honest about our feelings on the Colin Kaepernick situation.
1: No, I'm just kidding. I'm great
0: because Mizzou is 1-0. That'd be, that'd be interesting, but uh, yeah, we'll just stick to Mizzou this time. Maybe, maybe next week. Yeah, maybe next week we'll touch on that. I am wearing my brand new Nike Mizzou uh, hooded pullover. so
1: You look incredible.
0: Well, thank you. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I'm excited. Um, one housekeeping item real quick is an exciting thing. We are now on Spotify. So check us out there. If that's what you use for your music, you can find us. Just search the Missouri Sports Podcast. And with that being said, we will jump into the news. First news item is an interesting one. Um, This was kind of circulated on Twitter uh, over the last few days. Uh, Is there a chance that Kansas football is going away?
1: Probably not, but um, it was really hilarious to see one of Kansas' own professors call out the football program and question the validity of its existence. That was pretty amazing and hilarious.
0: Kansas football is not going to make it on this show very often. Um, but when they set themselves up to be dunked on, then we'll just have to oblige them of that. Um, I didn't really read too much into it. I did see that the, um, athletic director came out and said, you know, he, he's going to continue supporting the team and he hopes all other Jayhawks will too. And, but he did say that their evaluation of the program is ongoing or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. It was like,
1: hmm, that's... A little little cryptic, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Not super positive. Right. Yeah, I I mean, at what point can we deem Kansas the worst Power 5 program, like, maybe ever? Like, I
0: mean, they're definitely currently the worst Power 5 program, easily. And it's so strange because they won the Orange Bowl, what, 10, 11 years ago? Yeah, I don't know. And I just don't think I've ever seen a team, I mean, like and they did it without a like horrific disaster without an incredible scandal mhm they they've just
1: somehow fell into this crater of the abyss and right. i hope they stay there forever it's the greatest <laughs> thing that every year we can count on Kansas just being absolutely horrific and that brings me a lot of joy so sure yeah as it should
0: well um I don't want to waste any more time talking about Kansas, even though that that particular subject is kind of fun to talk about. We have some actually really exciting news to talk about, and that is that Mario McKinney is joining EJ Liddell on his visit to Columbia. So they're both taking official visits to Columbia this weekend um, to watch football games, see the facilities, all that stuff. And the fabled package deal will be in Columbia this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's big news for sure. Um, initially, when I heard the Mario McKinney news of him moving up his visit, I kind of had a thought in the back of my mind: okay, what does this mean for Rocket Watts? And we also found out today that he's not going to be uh, taking a visit to Missouri um, like he had scheduled originally later this month. So that's definitely some sad news. Um, but M- Mario McKinney is uh, is going to fill that spot this this weekend and. I would not be surprised to see a commitment from him this weekend.
0: Yeah, that would be really exciting. Rocket Watts was scheduled for September 22nd, Mm -hmm. Um, but according to an article where he was talking about his recent Florida State visit, he said that the Missouri visit is no longer on his calendar. So that is a little disappointing because if you've been listening to this podcast, you know how much I liked him as a player. I still like him as a player, and he's... Now I want him to be as far away from Missouri's schedule as possible. So, Florida State, um, Michigan State, Louisville, those sound like fine destinations for him, in my opinion. But, yeah, getting Mario and EJ together and and basically the combo guard position for 2019 being Mario McKinney's to take, I think sets it up perfectly for him to commit sooner rather than later. I think... I would be pretty surprised if he committed this weekend because I still think that they may try to do a joint visit to Kansas state and Mario may look at VCU taking a visit there or some of these other schools that we've talked about, but, um, and I wouldn't fault them for wanting to take his time, but I think it's pretty obvious that by at the very latest, by the end of October, we're going to have commitments from pretty much everybody that Mizzou is interested in. And uh, Trey Jackson is another guy that based on what I've kind of been reading and hearing from other people, they've everybody that knows anything feels really good about him coming to Missouri. Um,
1: yeah. I'm not sure if Mario McKinney commits this weekend but i'm pretty sure that he's going to commit to missouri at some point and same for trey jackson and we've talked about that in in past episodes but i uh, i think um still getting a, a class of, of mckinney trey jackson and ej liddell would be fantastic i'd be super excited about that and um yeah i mean obviously it'd be nice to have rocket watts but i think mario mckinney um, could be a pretty decent uh prospect at the next level and Currently, this roster seems to be pretty strong in the guard department. So ball handling guards I, too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm Drew not Smith sure that coming we. In, yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if he locked down the starting point guard position. Not obviously not this season because he has to redshirt, but the, for the next for his junior and senior years, yeah, that wouldn't definitely. surprise me at all. So um, having a guy that plays off the ball, I mean, that just makes sense. And yeah, and Mario's connection being a St. Louis kid, you know. Cam Fletcher coming in as a Vashon teammate, all that kind of stuff that we've talked about before that would make him an appealing get for for Konzo. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him him land at Missouri for sure. Yeah,
0: he would just be an exciting player. I mean, it would be. I've there was a weird kind of little highlight tape um, on YouTube that I showed you, Kyle. That was like just a bunch of St. Louis area players just kind of got a pickup game together at a i think it was at chaminade's gym and that's on youtube and he just had some like put back dunks and stuff you're like These, how tall is he like six I, foot or something i think he's probably listed at like six two six three but
1: mm-hmm. he's just a freak athlete yeah.
0: yeah um so having that kind of like athleticism at the guard position would be awesome for years to come for missouri mm-hmm. um
1: yeah it, it'll uh, it'll be fun to uh, to monitor that situation this weekend for sure. Hopefully it doesn't just rain all weekend. I know oh, that I it's know. supposed to rain quite a bit with the tropical storm kind of coming in from the, the Gulf, but um, hopefully they yeah, can hopefully still... hopefully they see a good
0: football game and yeah. <laughs> maybe watch a practice, a basketball practice or something like mm-hmm. that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, especially now for EJ, I feel like I still expect him to take one or two more visits after this trip to Columbia, but um, we're going to see these guys picking schools pretty soon, and that's going to be super exciting, so stay tuned for that. We'll definitely be talking all about it when it happens. Uh, somebody that did pick a school on the football side of things was, or no, he's about to, um, C.J. Boone is going to announce his commitment um, next a week from Saturday on September 15th, which is also his birthday. And uh, he recently re- released a top five of Mizzou, Minnesota, Purdue, Kentucky, and Indiana.
1: Yeah, I think everybody feels pretty good about Mizzou on this one. Um, yes, yeah, DJ Boone, quick, athletic receiver. Um, yeah, I'll keep bringing on the St. Louis guys. Right, I'll, I'll take them all.
0: Yeah, he he's from or plays school ball with Parkway North. He's a three-star wide receiver, so.
1: Yep, and speaking of uh, other St. Louis recruits, uh, Mizzou added Arvell Ferguson to the fold today. He is a uh, defensive lineman from Kirkwood, and from from some reviews I've heard of him early in this season, he's been all over the field making some plays. Um, He's not a super highly rated prospect. I think he's like a basic three-star recruit, but um, he's a guy that I've, I've heard raving reviews about for sure. So, um, high motor guy and seems like a really smart kid. So, um, same thing. I'm happy to, to keep that connection from St. Louis, uh, moving to Mizzou.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's basketball or football, just keep making it happen. Cause yep. there's gonna going to be a lot of athletes coming out of St. Louis and the more we have on our roster that was another thing that i was going to bring up actually about basketball was another reason i wouldn't count kansas state out completely is because they do have some st louis guys on their roster a guy yeah. that played for vashon xavier sneed yeah xavier sneed's there um so i mean they kind of have a similar pitch to what missouri offers both of these guys but i think missouri they have a similar pitch but missouri's is a little closer to home and a lot just a lot better situation for anybody that kind of wants to be the face of a program that represents their state, and you know all that that's that stuff that Kansas State obviously can't offer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, keep these uh, St. Louis guys coming to Columbia, and uh, coaching staffs will be very happy. And that's all I have for news. Um, so we'll jump into a, a little recap of Missouri's Week One win over UT Martin. They did exactly what we hoped they would do. They won 51-14. to um, I'll run through some stats real quick to set it up, and then we'll kind of give our thoughts. Um, Drew Locke had a nice day throwing the ball, 19 of 25, um, for 289 yards and four touchdowns. And that uh, yardage moved him into second place all-time in Mizzou passing yards list, so he passed Brad Smith for second all-time. Um, his favorite target of the day was Emmanuel Hall. He had a huge day. He had four receptions for 171 yards and two touchdowns. Another receiver that had an awesome day was Cam Scott. He uh, had an amazing touchdown catch and run, and some other freshmen had some some catches. So what did you kind of think of the first-team offense and what you saw from them?
1: Yeah, the first-team offense and defense, I thought, both uh, looked very clean. They looked... Like they did exactly what the game plan was they they clearly didn't open the playbook much. um I think that we'll see similar stuff, but I don't think they got very creative on either side of the ball with some of the packages they were running, which is good. They definitely didn't need to um because they were just just so far beyond u t Martin as athletically and and the size goes and everything so uh yeah, drew Locke was very intentional about getting the ball to his playmaker Emmanuel Hall. Um, and getting some of these other guys involved. Um, Albert O really was not anywhere to be seen, but we just, just general, didn't really
0: need him. Yeah, the Titans in general were kind of quiet. but mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I, th- I was really excited with the first team offense and defense. Um, they just did, like you said, exactly what we hoped for. Um, there was n- really from the first drive from both sides of the ball, after we'd seen the offense and the defense both mm-hmm. – uh, get a get a drive. I was very comfortable that this would not be a scary game like last year right so yeah, it was very encouraging. Um, they they just they looked like an SEC team against against an FCS team
0: right yeah, that's exactly how it's supposed to look and um, I mean drew lock the the offense in general, I think it looked pretty familiar. It looked a lot like last year's offense except mm-hmm. with a slower pace mm-hmm. They weren't really going 100 miles an hour yeah they, i really liked that That yeah. they slowed it down a little bit they weren't trying to score as many points as possible we we kind of talked about that they they did still just kind of rely on the receiver's athleticism mm-hmm. like uh, Dr- uh drew Locke was talking in a interview about how he was shocked when they used press coverage against emmanuel hall and he was like well all right, I guess he'll just run past him and I'll throw it to him. Yeah, so, he was like, if I, I wouldn't have done that if I were them, but yeah. that's what they did. So, yeah. so those type of things, I mean, you can't really control that your guys are just going to be faster and you throw them the ball and they're mm-hmm. going to run for a touchdown sometimes. So,
1: Andrew Locke had all day to oh, throw wow. on so many of those passes. Right. The O line did such a great job just giving him like, I mean, six to eight seconds to throw mm-hmm. so or more.
0: Yeah, and they, they really. I mean, any, so many receivers, um, both the starting running backs, they were all catching passes. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it was
1: a really cool, they did like a screen, couple screen passes to, to Crockett. Yeah. Which is something I've been kind of wanting them to
0: do for a while. Yeah, kind of like a swing pass out of the backfield. Yeah. was, when, was like that was like one of the drive. first plays yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was encouraging. I thought, mm-hmm. um, I guess if there, if I have any complaints really about the first team offense, Uh, or maybe not even complaints but just a a mild concern maybe was that the running backs um, averaged slightly less than four yards per carry Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that was an an O-line problem I don't know if just the holes weren't there and maybe they should have been or I noticed Roundtree um, slipping and falling kind of a lot I I don't know if that's what was going on there, but uh, I guess I heard from someone that knows more about football than I do that that's kind of a common thing for running backs to do maybe whenever they see a hole, a big hole and they get kind of excited about it and then they just kind of, I don't know, kind of slip mm. up and when they, whenever they see that hole, they try to get to it so fast that sometimes they can kind of help make them lose their balance. I don't know what was
0: happening, but um, it, it, it seemed like I saw that a few times from him especially. And it just kind of seemed like the running backs never really found a rhythm. Right. Like the, the running game never really got going like we're used to seeing Mm -hmm.
1: and i i do think that both of them looked good Mm -hmm. like roundtree especially looked like he'd slimmed down maybe a little bit and was very quick hits the holes fast his feet are so like he's so shifty for like being kind of a thicker guy and i mean the same thing with crockett i mean he's enormous and like his, his shoulders are so broad but and he's like we've talked about in the past, kind of he kind of showed off some of the finesse that he's got. So yeah. I thought they... I mean, they still looked very good, but I just didn't see them kind of get to that second level right. very often.
0: Yeah, there was one run that Roundtree had in particular where he kind of like spun off a defender. Yeah, that and was awesome. If he could have just kept his balance there after that little spin, I think he could have run for another... There was only one other guy in front of him, and he had a blocker. Mm-hmm. So that was one where I was like, ooh, maybe... You know, if he keeps his balance and stays on his feet, he might. that might have been a really special run. But he still had, it was still a good run, but it could have been, you know, a little something special if he was able to stay on his feet there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to see them uh, break a couple more, maybe longer runs against Wyoming um, to show that they can, I don't know, get past the linebackers and right. make some moves in
0: space. Yeah, maybe the – hopefully the offensive line. I mean, they don't – their pass protection was, like – the best you could ever hope for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were minus uh, Kevin Pendleton also. That's true. But uh, maybe they'll just kind of look at those rushing numbers and kind of maybe take it on themselves to focus yeah. in on the, the run blocking a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. Yeah. Let's talk about that Cam Scott catch because that, mm-hmm. was, that was – pretty much I would would say the number one highlight of the the whole game for sure
1: it puts a smile on my face just to think about it to be completely honest I I watched that pass and I was just like I was like laying on my couch at home and I just jumped up and I was like oh (laughs) like he just like jumped up and snagged it out of the air like it's just he looked so smooth and so athletic Mm -hmm. doing it I'm just like I'm not sure that I've seen a Missouri wide receiver look so athletic in a catch like that I mean yeah I'm I loved to,
0: his reaction afterwards too. He was yeah. just like so pumped. He was yeah. so happy to have made that play. First
1: career catch ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine anything better than that? Right. I mean, literally I don't think you can get right. better than that. So, and he like stiff armed the guy, the second defender.
0: Yeah. And man,
1: yeah, that is, uh, obviously a small sample size, but that is very promising. And Jalen Knox too. I mean, we've, we've known both of those guys, uh, coming into the season. I've, I've gotten great reviews from, uh, from the team and the coaches. So mm-hmm. um not not a surprise that they did well, but just to see how good they looked was was really encouraging.
0: Yeah, I mean the freshman that played on offense, obviously we talked about Scott, Knox, Jacinto, he he caught balls. He like he, a third
1: down conversion, I right. think, catch.
0: Um Tyler Beatty, he looked good. He played he was the primary back for pretty much the whole second half. Um they they didn't, none of them ran very much. Um, I want to say Roundtree had like 14 carries, maybe 12 carries. Crockett had 10 or 12. Beatty had 10. Mm. Which so, is what
1: I probably would have wanted coming into yeah. this game. Just kind of give them a few looks and get them back into uh, the speed of the game. But uh, don't want anybody having to carry it too much in mm. a game like that. And I think they'll probably do the same thing against Wyoming. They might kind of kind of alternate between guys uh on different drives and stuff just i mean maybe if somebody's got really got a groove going they'll stick with them or something but i think you'll see a similar approach Going yeah, forward it,
0: in this first game, Crockett came out, pretty much had the whole first drive to himself, mm-hmm. and then Roundtree came in, had the whole second drive to himself, and then they kind of mixed it up a little bit more from there. But
1: yeah, and it was it was really good to see Crockett um get a touchdown on that first drive, and I know we really missed him in the second half of last season. And he's just a guy I, I kind of fell in love with a couple of years ago. Whenever he was going off his oh, freshman yeah. year, it was just so fun to watch and. Uh, kind of came I, out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean. he, he kind of did. And I just, I think he's got a lot of potential. So I was really happy to see him. Yeah, I look thought it good. was
0: crazy when I saw tweets saying that that was his first rushing touchdown in pretty much a year mm-hmm. because his last one was against Missouri State last year. And his first touchdown overall in almost a year because he had it in like week two or three or something like that, mm-hmm. a, a receiving touchdown. But yeah, it's weird how mm-hmm. little we ended up missing him. Last year, because Roundtree was so effective, especially during that winning streak, he was dominant mm-hmm. in several games. And we, we went and watched the Tennessee game, and he and Witter just took over that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of nice long runs, and yeah.
1: I remember against Idaho, he like absolutely trucked a dude. Also, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, obviously, we know that Roundtree is crazy talented too. So it's awesome that we can get both of those guys at the same time.
0: Yeah, hopefully, we'll see a little bit more. I mean. The yardage numbers, I mean, it's kind of weird. We don't, it doesn't really matter how many yards they run for. I mean, when you're beating a team 51 to 14, if you're, any team you're playing, if they're kind of, you know, playing your, playing their defense to stop your run, then take advantage of passing. And we have, that's why I feel like this offense could be special this year because all around, there's not really a weak spot Mm -hmm. on the entire offense. And Emmanuel yeah. Hall is trying to—that only—that slight, you know, concern I had of that number one receiver taking over Emmanuel Hall in this first game has done everything he can to kind of dissuade those notions that mm-hmm. nobody can step into Jamon Moore's shoes.
1: Yeah, I think I feel even better about the wide receivers now than I did probably in the off season. so I think we'll be fine there, assuming everybody can can stay healthy, but—
0: And I like the fact that I didn't see, I didn't notice Drew Locke staring down Emmanuel Hall. You know, he was ready and willing to spread the ball around. He Mm -hmm. was looking at different players. I could see him making progressions. One time he looked on that touchdown pass to Emmanuel Hall in the middle of the end zone. He looked at him. He was a little bit covered, but he knew that he was going to pull away from these defenders. So he just waited a second and threw it to him and it was Mm -hmm. perfect.
1: Yep, that's the beauty of having forever to throw (laughs) that's true yeah
0: yeah we can't expect that every game but
1: yeah it hauls so fast though so i don't know just throw it up to him see what happens Mm -hmm. but i I thought uh another interesting thing from this game that we had questions about before was the backup quarterback situation Mm -hmm. um obviously taylor powell kind of came out of nowhere i know that in the i guess pre-camp depth chart he wasn't even in the top three guys so to see him as the backup must mean that he had a pretty solid camp. So good to see that. Um, I thought he played really well um, coming in as a backup and kind of really the first time ever getting real game experience. Um, I know he had the, you know he had the nice long throw to Emmanuel Hall and to Jalen Knox. He Pro Football Focus does those ratings uh, every week, and they rated taylor powell almost as high as drew Locke, and so you know he, yeah, he was I, efficient because he was
0: very efficient yeah. he was four of nine but had 105 yards i think so yeah
1: and he, he just looked like comfortable back there he, he just got a strong arm and you know so it made some nice deep throws so um yeah i thought he kind of made a statement and then obviously michael wilson kind of came out and did his thing had mm-hmm. a nice big run of like 17 yards i think so um I think I I think I like Powell being our second option. I think that if God forbid that situation came into play, I I I mean, not gonna go out and win a SEC East championship or anything, but I think that we'd be fine.
0: Right, but even something like maybe Lot gets hit hard and they just need to check on him for a drive. Right, I would feel okay with Powell coming in and being a quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, if that happens and you are bringing Michael Wilson in, I am thinking. Well, we're probably gonna run the ball every single play.
1: Yeah, that's all he does or, when yeah. he comes in. Pretty much, he doesn't throw a lot of passes right. when he comes in.
0: So that's something I kind of thought was weird last year when he would come in every once in a while. Like, can we see him throw the he's ball? He's super fast. Yeah, we know like, that about that. We know he's can can run really well. I mean, he yeah, come in to blow Yeah, I don't know if that's so. him
1: or if that's the coaches saying we yeah. prefer you not to throw. I, I really don't know because Powell came out with
0: throwing. You right. know, So I don't know. But. I mean, he. Yeah, it wasn't like. They didn't even really play much more conservatively when he first entered the game. Mm-hmm. They just kept with the normal game plan, yeah. the normal plays that they had been calling for Drew Locke is what it looked like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Emmanuel Hall was still out there, so they still had some of the ones on the field mm-hmm. Never he came out there. So um, I don't know what they're going to do, and this is kind of a just a completely different topic, but I don't know what they're going to do next year, but um, if Ta- Taylor Powell is our guy... Um, I, I think I'd I'd be okay with that. I think yeah. he's got a lot of potential and um, some someone we could be excited about.
0: I, I definitely liked Drew Locke being pretty much the first offensive player taken out of the game. Yeah, There were at least, well, two games. Well, the loss to Auburn was another one where I was like, why is Drew Locke still in the game? Mm-hmm. And I think people that have been covering this team have kind of hinted at the fact that they think um, Heupel was purposefully leaving drew lock in a lot of games and you know still and he's a head coach now so
1: right. uh, seems to have worked out right for him
0: so that may be something where derek dooley just feels like he's comfortable with taking drew lock out mm-hmm. and basically playing him a half in this game so yep
1: i was completely okay with that as well yeah. he came in got his got his stats and and i guess get him out of there this right. isn't a close game whatsoever um,
0: I thought overall the defense did really well too like you said getting that first three and out on the first drive kind of set the tone where I was able to just when they that first time the punting unit came out I just kind of relaxed a little mm. bit take kind of side and just like okay this is definitely not going to be a repeat of last year I'm pretty sure
1: yep I think this defense is going to be so much better than last year uh, obviously so much returning talent and Ryan Walters is kind of his first full off season too get everybody on on the same page and everybody just raves about Ryan Walters and mm-hmm. just being such a smart guy and a strong mind and everything so I think that we'll see a ton of improvement on the on the defense this year and I think we kind of knew that or or, or hoped that that would happen but I, I think that after this first game it, it kind of uh helped me realize that these guys know what they're doing more so than they did this time last year
0: yeah I wish there was a good way for me I mean like last year Missouri State did not have a good season in their FCS season so we kind of thought that hey maybe this quarterback that threw for 300 yards against Missouri is gonna be you know lighten up the Missouri Valley Conference but he absolutely did not Mm -hmm. yeah I kind of thought Missouri State like
1: hey they might actually be decent they had that one good um, wide receiver who Mm -hmm. ended up you know I think maybe getting signed as a free agent to an NFL team after the year. So, they, I mean, they had a couple of talented guys
0: maybe, but... I wish there was just an easier way to, like, compare Missouri State last year to UT Martin this year and, like, can we expect anything from this? Probably not, but I don't know. It's just... It was pretty close to best-case scenario Alexander for me because <laughs> they the defense, they did give up that one really long yeah. to was that to the running back? Yeah. yeah, I
1: think so. Maybe just like a wheel route or something. Yeah. But yeah, clearly a missed assignment there. I think uh, maybe a linebacker was supposed to pick that up or something and
0: didn't. But and that running back is crazy fast, so maybe he just beat his guy. But yeah, um, that was the game was pretty much decided by that point anyway. So. Mm-hmm yeah
1: i think most of the second team or maybe even third teamers were in there at that point so i'm not too worried about about that i don't think that that's something we should be concerned about mm-hmm. uh with like the normal ones on defense um i think that maybe something i would have liked to see a little more was um the defensive line maybe getting a little bit more pre- penetration um, they they did really well on like run block uh run defense mm-hmm. and uh uh, I think that UT Martin got the ball out really quickly, though. So most of their passes were were very quick, and mm-hmm. they knew that Missouri was going to bring pressure. So, and I think that they only blitzed really all the linebackers on a couple plays. So, um, I'm not really worried about that right now. I, I, I think, uh, we'll, I think we'll be fine there. And Jordan Elliott did, did get pen- penetration a few times on on a couple runs and stuff. So mm-hmm. he looked good.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with the run defense, especially and. Hopefully they can carry that over into week two because that's pretty much the only thing Wyoming can do. Um, anything else of note that we should talk about from week one? Yes, producer Cameron. Did you guys watch the game together? Uh, well, here's we the thing. Did, we did. We sort of did. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, curse the team. And I I didn't want to invade Kyle's Privacy of his week one viewing experience, so I just waited until the game was not in doubt, and then (laughs) went over to Kyle's house. So
1: we really only watched like one quarter together. So I'm not sure that we can we can deem the curse over at this point.
0: So I didn't want to risk it, (laughs) but we were going over there anyway, and I was. that's kind of a long story. Ideally, I didn't want to leave the house and be driving while the game was going on, oh, yeah, yeah. so we were going to leave at the right at the beginning of halftime, but um, for reasons I won't go into in case my wife listens to the podcast, <laughs> uh, we did not leave as I expected, so I was watching some of the third quarter on my phone on the way there, and then we watched you know, the rest of the third quarter and then kind of flipped around to other bigger games that were on when... For maybe the last half of the fourth quarter, but yeah, I uh, don't call the curse broken, but uh, noted. Yeah, we'll we'll see when we have the courage to actually put that to the test again. <laughs> All right, well we'll just move along to week two preview of a matchup with University of Wyoming Cowboys. They so far this year are one and one. They had a win on the road at New Mexico State, and then this past week lost to Washington State at home. Um, this is Missouri's first ever matchup with Wyoming, and the last time you may remember this, the last time Mizzou played a Mountain West conference was San Diego State in 2010, and that game is significant because of the Mo Miracle. That was a loss that Blaine Gabbert and TJ Mo turned into a win out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. that was I. Barely remember that. I don't think I actually watched it live. I think
1: I listened to it on the radio. Yeah,
0: that actually sounds kind of familiar, but I know I didn't watch it live, and I may have even like been in and out of watching it or something, and then turned it back on, and they won or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Yeah, that's craziness. I uh, hope that we don't have to have that some those kind of shenanigans happen this weekend.
0: Yeah, that... <laughs> I don't even remember who, what kind of team that San Diego State team was, but uh, this Wyoming team, they definitely have some good aspects to their team. Um, Easily their best unit is their their running game, and then probably not too far behind that would be their defensive secondary. Um, In their win against New Mexico State, they ran the ball like crazy. Um, They've got a senior um, running back, Nico Evans, who... He just did whatever he wanted against uh, New Mexico State. Against Washington State, he still played really well. He had uh, 89 yards on 18 carries, and that was just in three quarters because he did get injured. He did not play the fourth quarter. That uh, Washington State, it, the score of that game looked much worse than it actually ended up being. Washington State won 41-19, to I believe, and it was actually if my math is correct, 20 to 19 after three quarters. And then Nico Evans got hurt. They went on a 21-0 run and it looked like a blowout when I think it was, they were neck and neck the whole way. I think um, Wyoming was up 16 to 10 at halftime. Somebody's going to check my math and it's not going to add up, but um, (laughs) it was a really close game. The running back went down. He's still actually doubtful for... Either he got changed from day-to-day to, day to doubtful um, for Saturday. So that would actually be huge if he didn't play because he's by far their best weapon on offense. Their, their quarterback situation, is there's not nothing to write home about because Josh Allen, they lost him to the NFL draft. He was their star player last year. They've got a redshirt freshman quarterback this year who played fine in their win against New Mexico State, was efficient, but I think he only threw the ball like 17 times and then was just downright terrible against Washington State. I think 8 of 20 with an interception, like 70 yards. So,
1: Yeah, they definitely want to run the ball. There's no doubt about that. And I don't know what they're going to do without Evans, though. Um, like you said, like he just did anything he wanted against Washington State, and the second he went down, their team just, I don't know, went into their shell. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what happened, they, but they completely shut down. Um, so... I really hope it's not one of those um, like Nick Chubb coming out parties like we had against Georgia a few years ago when Todd Gurley went down, and we were like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Todd Gurley's not going to play, and then Nick Chubb ran for like 300 yards against us or something. Yeah. Or the LSU game a couple years ago when uh, Leonard Fournette was not going to play, and then Darius Geis ran for like 300 yards against us. So well, hopefully I that doesn't happen. the running back recruiting
0: <laughs> situation is probably a little different for probably Wyoming than with uh, Georgia and LSU. You're so. probably right. I doubt they have an all-American you know, future NFL player ready to step up mm-hmm. if probably their not. starter goes down.
1: Yeah, so with that in mind, um, Mizzou probably should win this game fairly easily if if they don't have their playmaker there and their quarterback isn't super great. Um, if, if Evans
0: doesn't suit up, I I think it'll be... There's no excuse yeah.
1: that this game really probably it shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't really be competitive. Be yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and even if he does play, I think Missouri has shown that they pride themselves on being a good run-stopping defense. They've got players that sort of specialize in that. Um, yeah,
1: the, the only other concern would be um, Wyoming's defense. I think that they've got a pretty stout defense and they've got a couple guys in the secondary who um, are widely known for their talent and could have some NFL looks down the road. So um, That's yeah, definitely me, uh, a concern. But
0: Mike Leach had good things to say about them after yeah. Game.
1: Yeah. Mike Leach specifically uh, talked about um, their safety. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, but he he mentioned him as as being an, an NFL type guy. Um, and if you wanted to know where the ball was going, just uh, look for number twenty eight, the safety, because he's running towards it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to break down a Washington State game because they're the way their offense is that air raid style where they're, they threw the ball 57 times. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. um, so the quarterback did have 319 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Washington States did. So I guess if Derek Dooley and Drew Lock want to throw the ball 60 times, they probably could be somewhat effective, but, um, and their their starting running back for Washington state did average five yards a carry. So, they were they were able to move the ball i think before um evans went down for wyoming it was looking like a shootout basically i don't know if him going down kind of made the defense think that they were going to have to shut them out and then obviously maybe they got too tight or something because they knew their offensive their best offensive weapon went down so um it'll that'll be something to look at i mean i don't really remember a time last year where or any time in the past few years where Missouri is playing a team that relies so heavily on one player to make their team go Mm -hmm. and and especially that player being questionable you know just a couple days before the game so I think um, we can play a little best case scenario Alexander Um, best case Honestly, I we, I feel like we have to do two different ones because we have to do one for if Nico Evans plays or if he doesn't. So if he does play, I think they can just cue in on him. He'll probably still have a good amount of yards because he'll run 25, 30 times most likely. Um, he'll probably find the end zone once or twice.
1: But he may not be at full
0: strength. Right. So, that yeah, that's a good point. If he, if he plays not at full strength... And that's really the only concern that Mizzou defense would have. So I could see something not too far off from score-wise, not too far off from the UT Martin game, just Mm -hmm. because I think we're going to see that level, that athleticism and talent disparity. Um, It makes it easier when you see a 41-19 score against Washington State. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do my best to ignore that 21.4th quarter or just try to figure out why definitely
1: an anomaly there yeah. with the rest of the game complete being completely different yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh, except drew lock's going to be in the game probably the whole time this time so um that's why i think they could reach that same point total or something near it just because mm-hmm. if if you're trying to get drew lock a full game under his belt before going up against purdue then you know you want to open up the offense a little bit more and if if wisconsin or wisconsin if uh wyoming is scoring then obviously you got to keep them in there to score Mm -hmm. with them so
1: yeah now that i know that uh mizzou knows how to take care of opponents that they are superior than uh i feel a lot better about this game and i I don't want to overreact from this tennessee martin game because i know it's an fcs opponent but i definitely feel good about mizzou in this game against Wyoming, and I'm not sure that I was 100% confident before the game that they would, or before the season uh, that they would win, but I feel pretty good about it now. Knowing a little bit more about Wyoming, knowing a little bit more about Mizzou, I think I think we should be good in this game.
0: So what's worst case in your mind?
1: Worst case, I mean, <laughs> I guess the worst case was if we lose, but um, I, I if, if we still get a win, I'd say worst case is... The running backs still don't really do anything special. Mm-hmm. The secondary looks bad. Um, whoever's at running back for Wyoming runs all over us. We don't get pressure on the quarterback. Maybe some of these small concerns that we have from after Tennessee Martin become maybe a little bit more concerning. Um, but, yeah, I I don't even know if I could see a loss in this game at this point. Yeah. If, if uh, Evans does not play. Oh, sure. If he yeah.
0: does play. Who knows? Right. If he doesn't play, then worst case is, yeah. They look bad in a win. Right. Um, If he does play, they would... I still think that the offense would be able... Missouri's offense would be able to put up enough points to win. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because Wyoming is not going to be able to get over... a a game from their quarterback where he's 8 of 20 for Mm -hmm. 67 yards. Yeah, I just don't think
1: their quarterback's good enough to to out-duel Drew Locke. No. I just don't.
0: And I don't think there's... I just don't think a star running back is efficient enough to work his offense into a shootout. You know, a shootout. Single-handedly. Yeah, exactly. So as good as Wyoming... As good as their defense can be, I just think that the athletes and the talent at Missouri skill positions, even if you're just talking about the wide receivers and the quarterback play, would be enough to make it a shootout mm-hmm. if the defense didn't step up.
1: I agree. At this point, Mizzou just needs to take this game seriously, follow the game plan, come in take care of business. I,
0: I think we walk out easy with a win. Yep. I would, I would agree there. I mean, and it's going to be important to build you know, momentum going into the Purdue game because that's... That's huge.
1: It is a huge, huge game.
0: I mean, um, I want to say Northwestern, who they played uh, in week one, won 10 games last year. And that was an incredibly competitive game.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a quality opponent for sure, Northwestern was. And we I, we know what we're going to get in Purdue, I think. And...
0: and it being on the road, there's just, mm-hmm. I would... If this Wyoming game is anything near a close, exciting game in the second half, then that's gonna. I'm
1: gonna be uh, I'm gonna be sick. To my stomach all next week right. before the Purdue game. Exactly. I probably will be anyway. <laughs> just because I know how much this this game means to our season. So
0: yeah, yeah, we're at the point where every, obviously early in the season, every game is in giving us so much information. When we we haven't had any information all offseason mm-hmm. now. We're going to try to get as much information gotta as we can. Got to dissect everything exactly. Now. So whatever we see this week is going to probably inform our opinion quite a bit going into week three against Purdue. Well, I believe that is pretty much all the previewing of Wyoming I have in me. <laughs> um, so on that note, that will be it for this week, and we'll be right back here next week. We will recap this week two matchup and preview the ginormous game against purdue
1: you can find us on itunes google play music spotify and soundcloud you can tweet us at mizzou sports one and you can e- email us at missouri sports Pod at gmail.com
0: and i'm on twitter also you can find me at c underscore albert 08 and thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next week